Welcome to Super Spoiler, a place where we spoil all the movies you love and those you have yet to watch. I'm JL and I'm Jojo and we will dive deep into a single movie and how we feel about it, whether these opinions are justified or not. Welcome to the last podcast of the season. Today, we'll be discussing Hopelessness is the Enemy of Justice, aka Just Mercy, starring the very handsome Michael B. Jordan, aka this year's sexiest man alive, no. according to People magazine, <laughs> and also Jamie Foxx and Brie Larson. So anyway, JL gave me three choices, and then I picked this uh, shallow, very shallow of me, but I, I picked this purely because Michael B. Jordan is inside. But anyway, so, so we decided to pick that. And um, I have to say, uh, the opening scene, I didn't really enjoy it. It, it looks boring, and I was like thinking, oh man, it's going to be like a two hours like boring movie. But then when Jamie Foxx was arrested, and then I was like, wow! I'm sure it's gonna be a good movie because you look at him like he's definitely innocent, but yet he's being arrested, and then, and then you can yeah. see his helplessness in his eyes. So, yeah, yeah, that was my impression. I really wasn't looking forward to the opening because I knew that terrible things was going to happen to him. We all saw the way that Johnny D, played by Jamie Fox, put his hands on the wheel and acted extremely differential towards the police while the sheriff was talking to him. And then you see this roadblock. You think that it's a generic roadblock. Like, it's for mm. everyone who passes through this stretch of road. And then afterwards, then we realise, actually, the roadblock was set up ah. just to arrest Johnny D. And it was so upsetting because he was just sitting down there. He was trying to be as respectful mm. and as non-threatening as possible. He put his hands, like, with palms wide open, on the wheel to show that, you know, there's nothing in his, in his hand. He has no guns, mm. like, on his person. And then yet, the moment the sheriff started arrowing him, saying, like, I'll be happy to end this now after what you did. And then we all don't know what, <laughs> we all don't know what he supposedly did. And then you already see, like, the police officers in front, like, guns drawn and pointing towards him, drawing closer. It's like, it just... Makes me feel this sense of the police officers are so trigger happy and they really don't care about due process. Because police officers are not supposed to have the right to mm. like go and shoot the alleged criminals like before they have been tried in the court of law. But then these police officers were very happy to take any excuse to end it right there and to kill him if he had reacted suddenly in any way yeah so anyway this just made me very upset especially after the whole black lives matter protest last year i think that if i had watched this film last year like before the whole black Mm. lives matter uh, protest had gone on i may i would not have the same uh reactions and feelings towards this movie as Mm. i did because before reading up on all the protests and like all these issues uh, and like injustice that uh, black people face in America and how they are treated differently from other people, I would have just thought that, oh, you know, uh, maybe this was a case of racism, but then it was like 
a single case. Yeah, a single case or maybe like one of a few that happens. But I wouldn't have thought that this was really what black people face mm. all the time whenever they go out. Like there's this chance of, you know, being stopped at a traffic stop and then the police seeing you as a threat and then being very happy to take any excuse to just shoot you and end it right there. Oh yeah, so after he was arrested, you remember there was this scene where Michael B. Jordan went, uh, like on, he was on an internship and then he went, it, was that his first uh, death row inmate huh? to, to visit? Uh, first? Do you remember? Yeah, that, that was the first time he visited the, time. the death row. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so he went to visit this guy and then this guy was like his age and then he was like so relieved to hear that oh he's going to be fine for another year which pains me and I like, really? <laughs> I mean, that's the happiest news that you've heard in a while. Yeah, you can, you can, you can feel their despair as well. Uh. Mm. And, then, yeah. and then when, and, you know, when they were just like talking, you know, he wasn't being, uh, he wasn't a threat. And they, you know, they were just talking like normally, you know, like uh, uh, they just took a bit longer. And then this prison ward just came in and then threw him against the wall. And it's like, ouch, like, why would you do that? Like, he, he's not doing anything. It just took a bit longer. You could have just like tell him, oh, politely, nicely, oh, time's up. You know, we need to leave. And I'm sure like he will happily leave with him. But no, instead, you know, they turn into violence, which yeah. I wonder how come... I don't know, like, like, they're just so violent. Like, like, why does it have to be violence? Like, can't you just say nicely? It's not like yeah, because they have, they like, have a gun or whatever, you know. They, they, they're not threatening them. Ah. Yeah, because yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah, this, this whole thing about... Okay, there's, firstly, there's a lot no. of frustration going on when yeah, I was watching. It's and because... it's actually... Actually, this movie is actually quite painful to watch. It's actually very difficult to, like, swallow this whole thing. You know, like, knowing that, yeah. you know, it's based on true story and it's actually... Yeah, because of the injustice. Yeah, and it's happening, like, right now, like, out there, and it's still happening. It's actually very scary, yeah. And prison guards do treat their prisoners very roughly because it's this <sighs> whole idea of people in positions of power just because they're in positions of power and they think that the prisoners are not worth anything. So they, they just treat them however they like la, because they know that there's no punishment that the prison guards will get yeah. for treating them in this manner. Do you remember when Michael B. Jordan's character goes to the correctional facility for the first mm, time? Yeah. And, then he, and then the prison guards to strip search him even though he's a lawyer. And lawyers don't have to go through that treatment. Mm. And then the prison guard was basically like saying, okay, if you don't want to be strip searched, you're not seeing anybody today. And then he has to swallow it. And then it's just so dehumanizing yeah. like to have to strip. Yeah, I mean, it's like, number one, he was just standing there mm. looking very humiliated while the prison guard was just smirking yeah. over there. I think the smirk is a good touch. Mm. And then at one point, he even says bend over and spread. Then I was thinking, like, are you for real? Like, is he really supposed to do that? And then it was only after he says, uh, you are clear to go or something, then I realised mm. that he was actually joking. Because mm. I thought he really wanted him to do that. Then I was like thinking, oh, what the hell? I thought so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. a very good scene. Like it portrays humiliation very well. Like you know, he's like all suit up, looking you know smart and stuff. But then, 
or the next moment he's being asked to strip. La. It's like, yeah. it's like even if you are a lawyer, like no matter how high a position you are mm. as a black man, you can be brought down low by all these racist mm. white folks who ask you to do this kind of stupid thing. <sighs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah, so so that's yeah. it. I think that's a very nice scene. Like it really sums up like uh how the blacks are being treated. Well. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, like intelligent, rich and powerful. Okay, like, maybe he's not that rich, but he's kind of like, you know, more powerful since he's a lawyer, but you know, in, in front of them, like, you, you still have to obey them, like, you know, listen to them. Yeah. It just goes to show that no matter how well you do for yourself as a black man, white people can just, in an instant, take all these things away from you. Okay, maybe they may not succeed fully in taking all these things away from you, but they can make you feel like you are lower than scum mm. and that you are inferior to them, even though you are doing very well for yourself and probably doing better than them also. That's scary, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so racism it's just, is so scary. This is not just racism, white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did you catch all the references to Harpalis to kill a mockingbird? Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. They keep asking him to go see the museum. Why ah? Basically, it's this very famous book about this white lawyer trying to help this black man who has been framed. But then he was still convicted in the end. It was a great work of literature during the civil rights era. The blacks were like trying to get civil rights and all that. And then uh, this book uh, came out with this uh this white man who was like he was fighting against a racist machine. Yeah, so so every a lot of people proclaim this like as a great work of literature mm. because it exposes uh the South for how racist it is and yet shows that, you know, there are still good white people who are helping mm. all, these, all these black people. Yeah, so anyway, that was the reference. Then uh, the book's author, Harper Lee, was born in Alabama, mm. and her father was a lawyer, I think, yeah, in the courthouse there. Either Harper Lee was born in Monroeville, mm. which is where Brian Stevenson, which is the lawyer with, that we see in Just Mercy, is based in, or the book was based in Monroeville. But I think it's, it's happily was born there. Yeah, so basically, they had this whole museum uh, dedicated to happily and like this triumphant work of literature that, that shows that, oh, hey, you know, I mean, there are still good people in Alabama who like are against mm. racism. But then it's very ironic because, I mean, Brian yeah. Stevenson... He was trying to help to get this man who has been wrongly convicted free. And then this book is also about a white lawyer trying to help this black man who is wrongly framed to get free. But then and then all the townspeople, like the, the prosecutor, the DA or whatever, what's his name? Tommy Chapman. Yeah, this Tommy Chapman, his assistant, everyone is so proud of this legacy, but then <laughs> they are so racist and they refuse to look at the evidence which would show that Johnny D Johnny. was innocent. Yeah. Irony. You know how people just keep asking him like why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't this just the right thing to do? Like why do people have to ask? 
because it's the right thing. And then he's just doing the right thing. Why, why are they so surprised and shocked? Because this is the kind of right thing that is very difficult to do. Firstly, he's a black man in Alabama, which, as we have seen in the movie, is still <laughs> extremely racist. Yeah. So it's more likely that the system will manage to defeat him than he would be able to like get all these men free. I mean, yeah, I mean it's just a very difficult job for him. So and a lot of people are just content to not do anything because <laughs> they don't want to make things difficult for themselves. I mean, who wants to make things difficult? Uh... <laughs> Hey, look at the son's friend, Johnny D. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he was afraid to testify that one of the white witnesses was lying because he was afraid that the police would retaliate against him. And the police and did retaliate did, yeah, against him. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, so to have someone like Brian Stevenson come in to actually help this man... Mm to persist in helping this man despite everything that he faces, like all the racist treatment that he faces and like the courts and the police like trying to intimidate him into like stopping whatever he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard for people to believe because nobody likes trouble. <laughs> and yet this man seems to be like looking for trouble. And then, <laughs> not that it is bad trouble. This is the good kind of trouble that you should be making if you are to be making any trouble. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, most people would not choose to do what he did. Yeah. So I was also quite saddened by the fact that, you know, like as much as they want like the family wants to believe him, they like believe that he can help them and, you know, change whatever uh, their their current situation. They, they kept asking him, like, how are you different? Actually, this, it actually means a lot. It means that they have been through the same thing and they probably, like, face this, like, uh, multiple times. Because, I mean, if someone were to say, oh, you know, I can help you to get your debt out, you you would probably, like, believe and then, like, ask how. But instead, it's it's like, you know, how are you different? So you can imagine, like, how, how much uh, how much they have been through. La. Yeah, I mean, throughout this movie, we see how the system feels all these black people and all the poor people, all the court-appointed lawyers like barely doing shit for their clients and yeah. then they just take the money and run. Like, they're not conscious one eh. They don't have any conscience. Yeah. Like, 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 I mean, how, okay, how can I, they even do that? I, I, I mean, they, I, they obviously did, but... <laughs> I think they do uh, it because they see that there's no money to be earned from all these kind of cases. So they just... I mean, they, when they do something, they really want to see like something in it for them, la, whether it's monetary reward mm. or like knowing that they can actually help their client. And I think that all these court-appointed lawyers uh, know that there's no money to be gained. I bet if Johnny D was like a billion, was a billionaire, yeah. it would be totally different. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, but then all these court-appointed lawyers know that these families don't have much money to give them and then they will have to put in all this sweat uh, and like long hours of hard work. I mean, we in the movie, we see the amount of like overnights, mm. that, uh, overnighters that uh, Brian Stevenson uh, goes through and the amount of work that he does and I'm pretty sure it's only a fraction of what the actual <laughs> real Brian Stevenson did. 
because I mean <laughs> it's only two hours long and then, and then usually court cases like last for like months if not years yes yeah, yeah. so all these court appointed lawyers probably decided that it's just not worth all this hard work but aren't they paid by the government <laughs> from what I can tell it doesn't seem like they are. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it all. Yeah, it seems like they are paid by the client. Mm. I realized something interesting, you know, in the prison cell. Like, they keep asking each other, like, hey, are you are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I thought that was quite interesting. Is it yeah. because that they are afraid, you know, one of them might just decide to, like, kill themselves? So they, they always check every morning or, like, you know, every now and then, like, hey, uh, hey, 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 are yeah, you... Are yeah. That's what I was thinking. Checking up on each other to make sure that you know they are still okay. Yeah. I like seeing this community mm. feeling that I mean, even in jail, like your fellow prisoners care about you mm. and care enough about your mental well-being to like make sure that you know you are still fine. I just feel very <laughs> sad for Herbert Richardson. You know, the one who gets sent to the electric chair. Oh. He had PTSD and then he just sees demons everywhere. So why he did what he did, I mean, he was obviously not well la, and he mm. needed help. But nobody gave him his help. Yeah, which reminds me. So you know, on Herb's execution day and then Brian went in to see him, Herb was saying, more people ask how they could help me than they have ever asked my whole oh, life. Oh man, yeah. And then it seems, it seems <gasps> like the only time that all these, all these officers or really, or the only time anyone really cares about all these people on death row or all these like black people uh, is like on the, their very last day of living. Yeah, which is so sad. If people had helped them along the way, like way before they went into prison, they would probably not have ended up in that position. Uh, yeah. So Yeah, that's a very sad line. Hey we are this movie. It's actually very difficult to watch. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. By the way, I realized something, like throughout his journey in helping Johnny D, I realized that those people who offer help, besides Brie Larson, they're all black. Do you realize? Yeah. Yeah. And then they keep saying that, okay, what the DA Tommy Chapman says is he just wants justice to be served. The sheriff also said uh, he just wants justice to be served for the white woman who was. They're killed. all liars. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, the fact is that justice was not served. And the sheriff actually framed Johnny D. Like he, he kind of intimidated. What's his name? Ralph Myers. Mm. Yeah, he kind of intimidated Ralph Myers into giving a false testimony he, because he just wants to get the case over and done with. And then, do you remember at the end of the movie, they said that actually uh, in 1993, uh, they opened a new investigation which proved that Johnny D was innocent mm. and that it also strongly implicated a white man in the death of that woman, Rhonda Morrison. But no charges were ever filed. And then I was thinking... If you want justice to be done so much, then why did why were no charges ever filed against that white man who was yeah, it's the child of some millionaire? That's why everyone was like trying so hard to cover it up, right? Just trying to like just find a scapegoat. Well, we don't know whether it's a child of a millionaire. <laughs> but 
but what I think is they keep saying they want justice to be served, but then in the end, when a white man is implicated, they are fine with justice not being served. I don't know. I mean, all these white people, like they seem so outraged and everything about the death of this girl, but then when it actually comes to doing justice, I just stop there. Oh, and then it's so infuriating. It's so I should I have picked this movie? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's, it's just an infuriate and it's a must watch. Like I recommend everybody to go watch this movie. I don't think enough people saw this movie. Really, like I think the box office of this movie was like very low. Yeah, but seriously, everybody should go watch this movie. We really have to talk about the sheriff. Yeah, that piece of shit. Piece Why was he re-elected? I don't understand that. Like, how can you? How can you let this man be the sheriff again for six times? Yeah, Why? because I think... <laughs> seriously, this is I completely understand. Why people say defund the police or abolish the police? I mean, if this is the I kind know. of police people who remain in power, who keep covering up their crimes, who have been shown who like, elected him, like oh, who, like the people in the police force or what, or like the the, the community. Yeah, I think I think it's the community. Oh man, uh, you kidding yeah. me? I mean, if these are the kind of people who remain in power. Like who can just hide their crimes? Who even when shown in the court of law that they have like intimidated people into giving false testimony and they have not done their job, I mean, it's just so infuriating. Huh? The more you yeah, talk about that, it, the angrier you get, right? <laughs> yeah. Why they can be re-elected? I think it's just because a lot of the white people think that he's still okay. Number one, they probably don't care that much about what he has done to Johnny D. In fact, some of them probably still think that Johnny D is guilty and that a great injustice has been served. Seriously, this, yeah. They probably think that the sheriff was a good man and that this is just, you know, a minor blemish on his record, if it's even a blemish, since they probably think that Johnny D is is guilty. You think all uh, these people will go to hell? Uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it would be lovely if people like the sheriff went to hell. But... <laughs> <laughs> so this is white people keeping these systems of power in place that allows the sheriff to be re-elected. Because the justice system, obviously, in this movie, as we can see, doesn't benefit the poor black people at all and only benefits the white people. Uh... Even the judge... You know, in that first trial mm. that we saw, I thought that the judge would be was going to yes! was going to like oh this accused or something. I was so shocked. Yeah, and then I was so shocked that he didn't. I mean, he had the appropriate reactions to like all this new testimony coming in mm. when Brian was presenting it. But then in the end, like a month later, he decided, "Oh, okay, nope, uh, nope like He's still guilty." <laughs> Like yeah, what? And, yeah, what in the nonsense is this? You know, and, and I, I actually got quite disheartened because this is actually based on a true story. I was like thinking, wow, if it were a movie, like a fictional movie, it would have like ended here and then, you know, they would have like succeeded in like uh, this, this appeal. Yeah. But no, this is real life. 
Yeah. Real life always disappoints you. Always. <laughs> yeah. And then, remember when the, the son was so upset and then he yes. was tearing up and then he stood up in the courtroom and then he kind of made a ruckus like, please, you can't do this to us again. Like, you keep trying to kill us. Like, and then, kill our and then family. You keep trying to kill our family and you... And then everyone of his family was just telling him to sit down, quick, mm. sit down, because they know what will happen to him. And then he gets handcuffed very violently by the same sheriff who <laughs> intimidated the witness and all that. And then I was just like, oh, it, it just felt like the judge and the sheriff was working in cahoots with each other. Because, I mean, whenever uh. we see him, he's sitting beside the DA. Mm. Like, it's almost as though uh, he is on trial too. So when the judge nodded to the sheriff and the sheriff took action, it just felt like they were in cahoots. Like, okay, this person who is supposedly on trial too because he kind of represents the state as well, he is able to get up from that position of being on trial and then go and torment other people again. You know, when there were like so many evidence like pointing, uh, uh, indicating that Johnny D wasn't uh, the murderer, like people just like refused, like blatantly just refused to see and then like... I mean, it's just because they don't care. Like they literally do not care about whether this man has been wrongly convicted or not. They just don't care. I mean, if you care that this man has been wrongly convicted, then you would probably want to see all the evidence, but they really just didn't care. Like, remember what one of his, uh, one of Johnny D's cellmates was telling him, I think he said uh, when he was being arrested by the police, like he said uh, oh. he, didn't, he didn't do the thing, but then the police officer said, uh, one of you people did the thing, yeah! so you can take it for you your partner. Like, what? Like, they literally don't care the actual, if justice is served, they just want to find someone to punish to show that they have done their job or something and then close the case. And then he was like innocent. And then it took them like 30 years to free him. Three zero. Like, what? Yeah, I mean... I think, actually, I have to like... I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say admire, but I, I, I'm not sure if I have the courage to like live through this for like 30 years. Like, like oh. You know, yeah. like, it's just very, like, you know that you're innocent, like what Johnny D say, like, you know that you're innocent and you thought, you know, like, even if I'm being arrested, I'm going to be free, like, like soon, yeah. maybe like one day or like, you know, like later, soon, mm. like soon, soon. Wow, but like, I don't know, like Johnny D, Johnny D's case took like seven years, was it? Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, four or five, uh. six years, I think, yeah. 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 Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine, like, right now, like, just police just barge in my house and say that, oh, I, I, I'm being arrested for killing people. I'm like, I'll be like, what? And then, you know, the most out thing that I just have to go to, like, uh, the, the police, I was going to say police officer, police station, and then, you know, like, take some, uh, uh, they're going to take my records or whatever, but, and then, and then I'm going to be freed because obviously mm. I didn't do it. I didn't kill anyone. But can you imagine? I, I'm just being kept and then I'm just being locked into prison and then, and no one believes, like, like anyone else. And, I, and and you know that his case, like a lot of people, like well his alibi, like he's not he's not at this yeah. random weird town. And then no one cares, like, can, like I don't know how how is it possible that like <laughs> Yeah. So many people can testify for him and then 
they just they just ignore like they just don't care like yeah like, what, what what is this like I, I really don't understand <laughs> yeah I really do not understand yeah and then nobody make then nobody make a big fuss man nobody make noise man like you you can go somewhere else and then I don't know like make noise <laughs> but nobody did they were all so scared too huh yeah and then I remember they were um, I think the family was telling uh, it's either the family or Brian Stevenson himself that was saying this but it really seems that outside of the black community it seems like nobody or yeah. very little people care about their plight like Brian Stevenson was mentioning that uh, his grandpa got killed over a black and white TV yeah. and they, they kept waiting and waiting for someone to come yeah. and investigate or to come and do something but no one did and then we really really have to talk about the, <laughs> about the scene where Brian was intimidated by the police oh! he was driving and then he was stopped by the police and then he wanted to find out like yeah like the same thing as Johnny D like he was being deferential like he put his hands on the wheel with palms open to show he was not a threat. Yeah, it, it was actually very painful to watch. It was all like, oh. Ah, like when I was watching, was, I just kept demanding, like, what was the reason? You know, like, what's the reason? And there was just absolutely no reason because they just they just probably felt like it. Wow. Yeah, they wanted to intimidate him. And then, yeah, they just so trigger happy and then they just pointed a gun at him. <laughs> In a split second, like I mean, I was expecting it, but then I, I just felt the violence as well in that suddenness, mm, in the I felt fact it that, too. that he that the officer looked very happy to immediately shoot him. I, I just felt very terrible for him. And then the thing is, when they were when the police officers were about to drive away, then Brian repeated again, like, mm. uh, "Why did you stop me?" And then the police officer, uh, just said. Uh, we are letting you go. You should be happy. Like what? Like this is the police, uh, officer's idea of de-escalation. Like when it's in <sighs> black man, their idea of de-escalation is as long as I don't shoot this black man, that that is, that is, that's, yeah, that's that like the, the the most the greatest uh, uh, the grace that I can give you something like that I mean there are so many instances of of like white people like even if the white man was like waving a knife at the police officers and like being clearly very uh, aggressive like the police officers will still try to calm the man down but in terms of black people it seems like the moment they see the black man be a threat they, they will just shoot him like, <sighs> <laughs> I think this is like probably the most agitated podcast <laughs> that we ever did. And then it seems like when black people look for justice, they have to go through this tedious machinery of the legal system to try to get justice. But it either takes years before they finally get justice, or it takes years and they still don't get justice. Uh... Yeah. But then I really do admire the real Brian Stevenson mm. for like still persisting in his endeavor. Mm. Like he set up this equal justice initiative to like help all these yeah. uh, convicted death row murderers to at least you know get some kind of relief, if not to be acquitted. Mm. Yeah, because they are like you know completely innocent. And then he has been doing it for like 
so many years. I think over 30 years already. Because mm, yeah. the case happened in the 80s and he's still helping them now. Yeah, And then it, the movie ends with him saying, we need conviction in our hearts. Like this man, referring to Walter McMillan or Johnny D, uh, taught me how to stay hopeful because I now know that hopelessness is the enemy of justice. Hope allows us to push forward even when the truth is distorted by the people in power. It allows us to stand when they tell us to sit down and to speak when they say be quiet. Like, I admire the fact that after 30 plus years of, mm. you know, facing all this injustice and all this racist acts towards him and all that, like, he still has this hope. Because, for me, I don't think I could do it. Then again... <laughs> Yeah, but we are no he, him. Yeah, we are not him. And then we are probably the reason why injustice is <laughs> this. No! <laughs> yeah, so he is a really admirable character. Anyway, this movie was adapted from mm. the book that he wrote. So if you guys want to read that, I'm, uh, it, it goes more into detail about like everything that he's been doing for this Equal Justice Initiative and also more details about Johnny D's case that the movie probably couldn't show everything about. Mm. Yeah. Alright, this has been a very heavy movie to watch, the one that inspires a lot of passions in us. <laughs> but seriously, it's such a good movie. You really have to go watch it. It's not exactly like, you know, the most fun and entertaining movie that you can watch, but then it is still a movie that you should watch. It will yeah. open your eyes and yes. your mind. <laughs> this is the end of the season for our podcast. Wow, so fast. Will we be seeing you guys again? Stay tuned to find out. Yeah, and listen to our podcast so that we know that people are actually listening and that it actually warrants a second season. Give us a comment. Tell us you want a second season. We hope to hear from you and we hope to give you another season. Bye! Bye-bye! Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to Super Spoiler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and more. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review with a 5-star rating. We appreciate it so much. See you next week!